Hey, welcome back to episode 9 of Real Life. This week I wanted to cover the topic of creative block or going through periods of burnout. I wanted to cover some of the things that I've learned over my journey as a creator and some of the things that have helped me get out of periods of creative block and stay out of periods of creative block. Like I've said in the last few episodes, the number one thing you guys could do right now to help me and support this podcast is by sharing it with a friend. Share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. But without taking up any more of your time, here is episode nine of Real Life. And we are back. Welcome to episode nine of the podcast. We are one week away from double digits. One week away to getting to 10 episodes, which is just crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm hell-bent now on getting one away. I mean, I'm sure. I'm not going to say I'm hell-bent. I'm going to stop with the terminology that means anything in a kind of not sure way. We are going to complete one episode every single week for the rest of the year. And I'm, I'm so excited that this is something that, one, I'm thoroughly enjoying, and two, you guys are really enjoying. I, <laughs> If you listen to, I think it was episode four or maybe episode three that I said that um, I sort of started this podcast one out of a desire to get better at talking to camera out of a desire to get better at being authentic uh, in a content creation sort of way because when you're not you know even if you have every intention of being authentic even if you have every desire to be really yourself on camera even if you have every and you know even if you have really good intentions if you're not very comfortable in front of camera that's not going to be your authentic self it's really difficult for you to let that side of you come out and be comfortable in that coming out and the only way that you can do that is just by doing it more and one of the easiest ways that i thought to do that was to do a podcast because it's it's a way for you to just sit and talk and have a conversation and not really worry about it being scripted or structured or having any sort of direction or control or having to fit a mold. It's just a way that you can sit down and I'm sure there is podcasts out there. There are podcasts that people spend an ungodly amount of time in pre-production and during it and organizing everything and making sure they stick to the plan and, and each week is structured and all that sort of stuff. I hope you guys have sort of realized that this isn't one of those podcasts. <laughs> this certainly isn't one of those podcasts. Um, not that I don't take great pride. I take a lot of pride in what I do. I take a lot of pride in the quality of this podcast. I take a lot of pride in, you know, if I if I make an episode and it sounds horrific, if I make an episode and it's just unorganized and, and not very good, I'm not going to release it. But I don't let this, this is probably the one form of content where I don't let any outside sources manipulate my own thoughts. I don't, it's very, very authentic. It's very just me off the cuff ranting. <laughs> and yes, you know, I do have my notes in front of me. I have a page of notes that are kind of a, a course structure for how I want to talk, but that's purely so I can not get lost in conversation during this podcast. Cause I feel like if I just set out to talk for 45 minutes, it would be very, very incohesive. So what I'm trying to say here in a very, very roundabout way is, is I am so incredibly thankful that you guys are enjoying the podcast. You guys are, are sending me messages on Instagram. You're sending me messages on, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just Instagram. I don't know why I tried to say anything else. You're sending me messages on Instagram. I'm getting a few content com comments on YouTube saying how much you guys are enjoying it. I actually got a comment the other day or a message on Instagram from someone who said, um, "Hey man, I you know, I just wanted to let you know that I am really, really enjoying and really resonating with all the content you're putting out on YouTube and the podcast at the moment. I don't think you're planning on stopping anytime soon, but I just want to let you know that I would, you know, even if no one else listens, I would still really appreciate you to continue creating what you're doing. And I didn't have any intention of stopping, but just hearing that message from him being like, hey, like, you know, maybe no one else has let you know that they appreciate it, but I just want to let you know that I really appreciate it. And that's seriously, you know, not that I needed the motivation, the extrinsic motivation for someone else to continue creating the content, but it's it's quite hard to know that you're making something good. It is it is really hard when you're a, a one-man band. When I'm doing my client work, you know, I send off the, the project after it's been through my process and it gets revised. They come back with timestamps. They come back with time codes. Everything's sort of structured in a way that I don't have to have the last say. 
of course I'm in creative control. I wouldn't be doing projects if I wasn't in creative control. But there's still a filter. There's still an element of someone else having their hands in the pot, having you know some control over what I'm saying or what I'm doing, or what I'm creating. Um, So, you know, they come back with revisions, we sort it out, we go back and forth, and we figure out something, and we end up in a place where, even if I'm not super confident in the project, I know that someone else is confident in the project, and that gives me the confidence to know that, okay, this is probably pretty good. Whereas with your own content on YouTube, and even on Instagram, and and podcasts, and, and everything, everything that you do yourself which is more and more content creators. I think that nowadays I was actually on a project uh, last week and just because of the nature of um, the way that everything is in Melbourne at the moment, we could only have three people there. And <laughs> this client, you know, she was going to be on camera, so she she opted to have a makeup artist. I know there's probably a few people that are like, oh, she could have done the makeup herself. No, she wanted her makeup artist, and I fully support that. But what that means is we couldn't have an audio tech. We had to have, or we couldn't have a gaffer either. We had to have a videographer, the talent, and then the makeup artist. And what that meant is I became the gaffer and the audio tech. So I was doing the lighting, I was doing the audio, I was doing the footage. And we laughed halfway through the project. It's like, it's like you know, you have to, you, you, to a certain extent, you have to be a jack of all trades. You have to be able to do things yourself these days. And I think that YouTube is definitely one of those places where you get to flex all of those muscles at once. If I was just a videographer, there's no way that I would care about audio. There's no way, I've, of course, I would care about audio because there's definitely times where, say, I'm recording interviews or whatever. But a lot of the time on projects, I don't need to record the audio because that's someone else's responsibility. Whereas when it's this project, I'm responsible for every facet of the creation process. But one of the downsides of being, you know, being the last line of defense in every sense of the word is the fact that you don't actually know if you're making good stuff. You don't know you know, you can you can have a, a good mental compass as far as knowing what is good and what isn't. You can have a good filter as far as being like, okay, I probably shouldn't say this. I probably should say this. But at the end of the day, you don't really know. The only way that you know is by getting feedback. The only way you know is by hearing from people that they're enjoying it, hearing from people that they're not enjoying it. So the fact that I've been getting the feedback from you guys essentially just saying, hey man, like <laughs> I'm really enjoying what you're doing at the moment, seriously does mean the world. Seriously, seriously does um, mean the world. Um, so what I wanted to do today is I've been listening to Zach Kravisitz's podcast, uh, Rambling Radio. And at the start of every podcast, he just reads out a couple of the five-star reviews on iTunes. And I thought that was an incredible way to just give back to those people and sort of share some love for the people that are sharing so much love for me. So I wanted to share two of my recent five-star reviews on iTunes. We're at 60 five-star reviews, which is insane. We just hit 1,500 downloads for the podcast, which is also insane. It's just, I'm so incredibly stoked that you guys are really enjoying it. You're sharing it around. I've gotten messages from people saying they've told friends about it and whatnot. So I really, really do appreciate it. I've got a little goal to hit by the end of the year. I want to have 250 five-star reviews on iTunes. I think if we can get to 250 five-star reviews by the end of the year, maybe I'll do a little giveaway or something. I'll figure something out. I might give away a microphone or a podcasting setup or something like that. I think that would be a really cool giveaway is if I can get to 250 five-star reviews, maybe I'll pick one of those five-star reviews and give away... Yeah, that's a really good idea. Maybe I'll do that. How about that? Uh, if I, I'll, I'll figure out the logistics of it, but essentially hold me to my word. I think I'm going to do that. That sounds like a really good idea. It's not going to be, I'm not going to be giving away a $1,500 Shure SM7B setup, but I can't see the downside of giving away something like a Rode video, a Rode uh, pod mic or something like that for you guys to use. I think that would be a good idea. So let's do that. Now I'm coming up with this on the spot, so I might heavily regret this later on, but I I mean, I'll I'll, I'll stick to my word with that. But if we can hit 255 star reviews before the end of the year, I'll give away to one of those five-star reviews a uh, podcast setup for you guys if you want to start a podcast. So to do that, to enter this, what I want you to do is 
leave a five-star review with your Instagram handle attached to the five-star review. And before you send the five-star review in, I want you to screenshot it and send me that five-star review on Instagram because it takes a couple days for that five-star review to show up. And sometimes it's a bit weird with not showing all of them. It's just logistically a little bit of a nightmare. I don't want anyone to miss out on the possibility. So if you want to win that uh, little giveaway that I'll actually figure out the logistics of and, and organize properly. But if you want to get involved in that, all you have to do is leave a five-star review on iTunes, a written five-star review. And on top of that, I'll be reading out as many of them as I can every single week. So go ahead, head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. The first one I wanted to read out today was from Sam McMillington on Instagram, at Sam McMillington. And he said, authentic and honest was his review. And he wrote, I originally started listening to the podcast to learn more about filmmaking and photography, but found myself being drawn to Tom's authentic and honest self. I'm going through a journey of personal development myself and can relate to everything Tom is talking about. Keep up the amazing work, mate, smiley face. The second one I wanted to read out today was from Ethan's Pixels, at Ethan's Pixels on Instagram, and he says, The best thing to sit back and listen to whilst editing. The hour just flies by, and I look forward to the new one every single week. So yeah, once again, thank you so much to everyone who has been leaving reviews on the podcast, everyone who's messaged me, everyone who's done anything to sort of let me know that they're enjoying the podcast. It does not go unnoticed. I do really, really appreciate it. And yeah, yeah, I do really appreciate it. How's everyone's week been? What's everyone been up to this week? I actually had a a bit of an interesting week. I had a really, um, an eye-opening week is probably a good way to describe it. I mentioned in the podcast last week that I've been feeling like um, my life is a bit of a video game recently. Um, I feel like everything that I'm doing is very. I'm spending a lot of I'm spending a lot of time doing a lot of introspection. It's probably the easiest way to describe it. I'm spending a lot of time really thinking about the way that I'm feeling, really thinking about everything that I'm doing, really thinking about everything from the sense of what's going to be best for for me. Um, not in a selfish way, but sort of like, how is this decision going to affect, um, you know, my work? How's this decision going to affect my health? How's this decision going to affect me? Um, and it honestly feels like I'm playing a video game. It feels like I'm sort of, you know, approaching this. And I think this is a really good way to approach it. But I just had a week this week where I was just a bit more honest with myself, a bit more honest with my habits, a little bit more honest with, you know, some of my excuses that I make as far as time management and all that sort of stuff. And I just sat back and really reassessed everything, really sort of reorganized my time, reorganized everything, reorganized the way that I was going to approach my every single week and just sort of, you know, I'm 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 very happy with everything that's happened this week because it's it's been very um, very eye-opening as far as, you know, how much time, you know, can be wasted in a single week. It also probably comes out of, uh, I just finished reading, or no, I've got two more chapters, yeah, one more chapter to go in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you guys enjoyed, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been getting screenshots of you guys reading uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Uh, it's awesome to see that I had an impact and you guys went out and bought that book and are getting the benefits that I got from that book out of you know that book. So if you enjoyed that book, if you did listen to me in that regard and you trust my taste in reading now, I'm about 75% of the way through Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and that book is incredible absolutely incredible. So if you are interested in picking up another book that's going to be game-changing, um, pick up that book. That's probably genuinely the reason why I've had as interesting week as I have because a lot of the principles in that book are about being proactive. A lot of the principles are, principles are about you know thinking ahead and organizing your time and being really specific with everything that you do. Um, personally, professionally, um, you know, interdependently with other people, Everything that you do is based around, you know, really thinking about your decisions and paying attention to what's going to be best for you, what's going to be best for other people. So it's been a really, really good book to read. And it's also been a very eye-opening experience because I think that a lot of self-help, you know, I think both sides of this are important. You know, there's there's the one side of self-help that's very motivational, 
you know you know what I'm talking about where it's maybe it's an autobiography or um, maybe a, just a yeah mostly most of them are autobiographies there's the autobiographies out there that are kind of considered self-help because they're motivating they're the kind of books where you know you might take something away from it you might um, you might uh, have some sort of mindset shift from reading it maybe you take a certain lesson away from it but 90% of what you gain from that book is is motivation. And usually motivation, the issue with motivation is, or inspiration is probably a better word because motivation, like we've spoken about before, motivation comes from action. But inspiration is something that's extrinsic. It's something that you gain from other people, you gain from outside sources. And I think the issue with that is it's temporary. It's not something that you can maintain. It's not something that you can rely on. Um, so 50% of self-help is very motivating. It's very based around that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Please don't try and tell me that, you know, I'm not trying to say that the book you're reading right now that fires you up isn't really important for you. If that's something that you gain a lot of energy out of, say if you, I remember when I was little um, and first little, little, <laughs> I remember when I was 14 and I started going to the gym, I used to listen to the same thing every single morning, this like speech thing. I can't remember who it was, but I used to listen to this thing every single morning and it used to fire me up. It used to really fire me up. It got me excited for my day. It got me excited for my workout and it arguably got me to where I got to physically and and athletically because of that video. Not all because of that video. Obviously, I've got to take the action, but I do attribute a lot of that. So there's nothing wrong with that. And it's the same thing like I just finished reading last week, The Resilience Project. Fantastic book. Very motivating. (laughs) It's a motivating book. But I did take principles away from that book. I took a lot of gratitude away from that book. I've started doing this thing every day now where in my journaling, I've started meditating because of that book. But I've also started uh, listing uh, three things that I'm grateful for that day or three things that I think went well and then three things that I'm excited for the next day. And just that simple activity of meditation and those two dot points in my journal have made a really, really big impact into just feeling gratitude every single day, feeling happy with what I'm doing and also knowing that, you know, sometimes sometimes I can get down in the dumps about the fact that maybe I'm, you know, maybe it's a Friday night and I'm working and I'm enjoying my work. I really do enjoy my work, but there's a part of me that's like, hey, Tom, you're 23 years old, mate. Go and have a drink. Go and enjoy yourself. But then there's also the other part of me that's like, no, you enjoy this. You really enjoy this this work. You really enjoy what you're doing. Why go and spend time doing something else because of the outside effects? And I think that simple act of gratitude, that simple act of reminding myself that, no, I actually really enjoy what I'm doing, allows me to be confident in the fact that I'm doing it. So, but then (laughs) what I'm trying to explain here is that the other side of self-help, the other side that is not motivating, reads like a textbook. It's kind of like a an education into getting better. A rule book to get better. A rule book to be a better person is the other side of self-help. It's what, you know, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People reads like a textbook. A lot of the time whilst I'm reading that book, I'm writing notes. <laughs> that sounds really weird and believe me, it is. But a lot of, you know, a lot of what you're reading, you don't want to lose it. You read it and you're like, okay, I want to remember that. Or it has examples in the book or it literally asks you to write notes or at the end of every chapter, it gives you exercises that you can do that can implement what you've learned in the chapter. It reads a lot like a textbook and the subtle art of not giving a fuck is the same. That book purposely tries to not motivate you, but give you information that can carry you to be a better person down the line. So, I think it's important to balance yourself with that. It's like I try to listen to the motivating books and read the educational ones. I think that's a good balance that I've gotten at the moment because I can sort of listen to, you know, say for example, I'm about to read um, Extreme Ownership. Listen, I'm about to listen to Extreme Ownership again by Jocko Willink. Very, very good book. Very good book. I read it like two years ago now. I, was, I want to listen to it again because I can't really remember much about it. Um, but I'm fully aware that that's probably not going to be a book that's going to... I mean, it might, maybe, I don't know. Like, I can't remember. It might leave me with some things that are really educational and read a lot like a textbook, but I'm I'm fully prepared for that book to be very motivating or inspirational. So I just want you to pay attention to that every single time you go into a new book or every time you pick a new book. You know, what do you need in this time? Are you feeling particularly 
Like you're lacking inspiration. Do you feel like you need that pick-me-up? Do you feel like you need that sort of kick in the ass to get moving? Or do you feel like you need something that's going to be uh, educational? Are you ready for something that's educational? I think something that a lot of people experience is it's quite intimidating to read self-help sometimes because it does sort of make you it's it's it makes you feel like shit and then it builds you back up it shows you where you're a terrible person and then shows you how to be a better person (laughs) so sometimes that can be really intimidating if you're not feeling particularly confident about where you are right now sometimes those books can be tired so you need that inspiration so yeah i just wanted to cover that because i'm really enjoying that book it's been a massive eye-opener if you are looking for a new book to read go out now like right now as you're listening to this podcast and pick up seven habits of highly effective people it's a very very good book a very easy read the only thing i would recommend is set yourself plenty of time to read it i tried to read it first um just bit by bit like i normally would but I find that the most effective way to read that book is chapter by chapter. So you got to finish the entire chapter. And for me, I'm a little bit of a slow reader, but I'm taking about maybe an hour and a half to two hours per chapter. So just set yourself enough time to sort of sit there for an hour and a half to two hours and just get the entire chapter done in one sitting um, so you can really consume it and then practice it the next day. So that's helped me out a lot. Today, I really wanted to talk on the topic of uh, creative block. Um you know, feeling like creative block, feeling like you're, you know, losing inspiration, losing creative motivation, losing your creativity, feeling like you've got nothing left in the tank. It's a feeling that I think is synonymous with being a creative. If you're a creative person, you have undoubtedly experienced a period of creative block. You've experienced a period of just not feeling creative. I want to I want to cover this because this week I sort of felt myself starting to fall back into one of those periods. Not necessarily as bad as I have in the past, um, but I think what I'm more aware of nowadays is that I'm more aware of when it's happening. I'm more of aware of the symptoms of when it's starting to happen, when I'm pushing too hard, when things are moving in that direction. And this week I just sort of um, I sat down to create a few times and it just wasn't happening. I sat down with specific times set aside to do specific things and it just wasn't happening for me. Um, there was a few projects that I finished that really drained me. Um, client projects, not so much personal projects. Uh, there was just a few times where I was doing things for the sake of doing them. I was pushing myself to do things that I wasn't necessarily feeling like doing. And yes, I understand that there is a time and a place to work hard. There is a time and a place to put your head down and get the work done. I'm a strong proponent of that. I'm a massive proponent to the fact that the the idea that love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life is the biggest load of bullshit there is. That is a complete load of shit. No matter what you do, no matter what it is that you're doing, there are going to be days where you wake up and it's work. There are days where I love I, I love my job. I, I love my job. I love my work. I am so incredibly grateful that I get to do this for my career and I get to make a decent living doing it. But there are days where I wake up and the last thing I want to do is sit at my desk and edit videos. The last thing I want to do is shoot videos. The last thing I want to do. There are days where I wake up and I'm like, all I want to do today is exercise and I don't have the time and that crushes me. There are days when I wake up and it's beautiful outside and all I want to do is lay in the sun. There are days when my friends are going out drinking that night and I actually feel like doing it that night, but I know I can't because I have to be switched on and ready to go the next day. But... For every day that is like that, I enjoy it just as much. And I'm fulfilled doing the work even on the days where I'm not enjoying it. So I think that that's wrong. But I think it is also, especially as creatives, really important to pay attention to those feelings. Really important to pay attention to those days where it's just not happening for you. Pay attention to those days where it's you're just not feeling like creating. So for this week, I think the thing that happened to me... Actually, let's go back. Let's talk about... So last year was probably one of the biggest periods of creative block for me. Um, I just had most of last year was a complete write-off as far as creativity for me. Uh, 2018 was a really big year, a really big year for me. It was probably a, a really pivotal year. I think my, my Instagram, pretty much all the growth of my Instagram was in 2018. 
Uh, all the growth, a lot of the growth of my business happened in early 2019. So a lot of that work that led to that growth period. And, and don't get me wrong, like the growth that I've experienced in the last eight months from my business was bigger than the period then. But I've had a massive jump in 2019, early 2019. I went from sort of saying yes to everything, doing a lot of free work, sort of scraping by by the skin of my teeth to being pretty comfortable in 2019. And a lot of that success came from a lot of work and a lot of just dealing with the workload and getting it done in 2018. And I think I just backloaded a lot of that into 2019. So last year was a year where I just stopped. I just stopped creating on Instagram. I really didn't enjoy it. I think there was a period of like three or four months where I wasn't creating anything. I think there was a period, genuinely, I think there was a period of like three to four months where I didn't pick up my camera. Uh, The first time I really picked up my camera was probably like, you know, June when I started making YouTube videos again and I started taking portraits. You guys remember that period? I still take portraits, but I think honestly that period was just me clutching at straws, trying to figure out what the hell to do uh, with my creativity. When in reality, all I needed to do was just back off, take a break and just breathe and just know that it was a period that was going to pass. But I think the issue that I experienced was I forced myself to get moving again. It just buried me even more and even more and even more. And then I started to, you know, move away from photography and started getting into videography and started doing YouTube full time. And there was a period of like three or four months where I was making three videos a week. Um, and forcing them out like the first few weeks of that sure there was probably a few good videos in there but by the end of it no it was just getting a video out for the sake of getting a video out getting a video out because it was a Wednesday getting a video out because it was a Friday Uh, I had no days off because by the time I got the video out on Friday which was usually late usually I ended up posting it on Saturday anyway so by the time I got the video out on Friday or Saturday at the latest Sunday had to be on. I had to be on on Sunday because I had to have a video out on Monday again. So the only way that I could get a video out on Monday and it not be completely trash is if I was working on Sunday. And if I was shooting on Sunday or editing on Sunday or or scripting on Sunday or organizing my video for Monday on Sunday. And then by the time the video was out on Monday, I had to be back and ready to do it on Wednesday. It was just a mess. It was an absolute mess. It was an absolute shit show. I'm not surprised that it didn't last. Um, I have my, my hat goes off for the people that do this, you know, someone like PewDiePie who's released a video every day for like nine years, like my hat goes off to him, but it really, really didn't work for me. And then the the fallout from that period was, yeah, six months pretty much from about, you know, maybe September, October, all the way through till about February, yeah, about February where I didn't make any videos for YouTube um, I couldn't, like, I remember trying a few times. I remember really, you know, being, I remember trying to tell people that a lot of people that I would ask where the videos were. And I remember having conversations with people being like, oh, you know, I don't know what my content strategy is going to be. I'm lacking direction. I made the video lacking direction on YouTube. You know, a lot of it was just creative burnout. It was just being completely burnt out. It was just not really feeling like creating anymore. And I think that I've, you know, in the last few months, I've, I've sort of scraped back to a place where I'm, I'm comfortable again. I've scraped back to a place where I'm enjoying creating again. I really am enjoying. I've started shooting a lot again. I've started, you know, creating a lot again. I'm enjoying the process of creating again. But the issue came when this week I just started to feel like I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. I started to feel like you know, I don't want to make this video right now. I don't want to do this. And I think there's definitely, like I said, there's an element of getting the work done that has to be done. But if I think you need to focus on getting it done, yeah, I think you need to focus on enjoying what you're doing first and foremost, because if you enjoy what you're doing and it's important to you, then in success or failure, you're still going to enjoy it at the very least. Whereas if you're not enjoying it, as you succeed or as you fail, both of those are going to lead to situations where you're you're going to get burnt out because you're not enjoying what you're doing. And I think it's why I've stopped doing as many tutorials. 
It's why I've sort of shifted my content in a direction where I'm so incredibly thankful now that people are starting to enjoy the content. You know, the numbers are starting to slowly climb on the videos that I'm making now. But when I first shifted to this, it definitely wasn't a position where you guys, there were a lot of people who really didn't enjoy them. Um, Because, you know, it was different. It was something that I wasn't doing before. It was completely different to the content strategy that I had before. So... So I really wanted to talk about this week because, yeah, it was it was a situation that I went through. It's one of the hardest things to sort of deal with as a creator because it's reoccurring. It's something that happens almost like clockwork. You can pretty much guarantee that any period of uh, success, any period of motivation, any period where you feel like you're on top of the world creatively is inevitably going to be met with a period of lull, a period where you don't feel like creating, a period where you don't enjoy what you're doing as much. Those periods can be lengthened out or shortened by being smart. You can do it by succeeding. You know, when you see a lot of people succeed, you know, they have a period of extreme growth with a period of extreme motivation and suddenly they're just going hard for like 12 months without fail. But then they completely crash at the end of it. When things start to slow down success-wise, that dopamine starts to run out. So I think one of the things that I've learned to do in and how I cope with it more and more these days is I have just come to terms with the fact that it's part of creativity. It's part of everything I do. I've just come to terms with the fact that this is something that you need to be on top of. It's something that you need to learn to live with. I think that was something that I really didn't understand before. I was always under the impression like during that period where I was succeeding, during that period, or no, sorry, succeeding is a bad word, during that period where my Instagram was growing like crazy, there was a period in early 20, God, early 2019, yeah, was it? No, yeah, yes, 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 it was, early 2019 where my Instagram grew by like 20,000 20, month over month. So it was like 20,000 followers in one month and like 17,000 followers the next month. Two months in a row, it was just insane. Like I remember I was just sitting refreshing my phone every single day. Like just sitting, I remember like I would like, I remember I'd go to the gym and I'd put my phone in my locker and I'd come back and just refresh. And it, my Instagram had jumped by like 300 followers whilst I'd been at the gym. It was the craziest time I've ever experienced. But the downside of that is that the pressure that that brought, the feeling of uh, inadequacy that that brought, because all I was concerned about was how is my next piece of content going to live up to this hype? How is my next piece of content going to be better than the last? How am I going to outperform what I've already done? How am I going to continue doing this? Whereas I didn't realize this is just a this is a high. This is a period where things are going well. This is a period where I'm succeeding. This is a period where things are good for me. This isn't a period that's going to last. This isn't the new normal. This isn't something that is sustainable. This is just a a lucky period. This is a good period. This is not normal. This is not going to build my success. This is not going to change my life. This is just something or a period or a blip in my entire career, like a tiny little blip on the map in my entire career of what is going to inevitably happen long term. But in the time, in that moment, I saw that as this is the new normal. This is something I need to maintain. This is something I need to capitalize on. And what that led to is the mindset of adapt or die, the mindset of the mindset of uh, continue to succeed, the mindset of if you slow down, you will become irrelevant, the mindset of this is only happening because you're getting better every single day. This isn't happening because you've put in a lot of work on the back end. This isn't happening because you're, you know, your work stands on its own. This isn't happening because you're getting better as a creator. I just thought in my mind that this is happening because every single day I'm posting something that's better than the last. Whereas now and since then and since going through that last year, and something that I don't think a lot of creators really wrap their head around until they go through a big, big period of, of a creative lull, until they go through a period where they don't feel like creating, until they go through a period where everything falls apart and just feels like they're completely left in the dust. Until you go through that, I don't think you actually understand that creative ruts 
feeling creatively burnt out is not something that you want to avoid. It's not something that is completely separate to create creativity. It's not something that's just, you know, a byproduct of hard work. It's something that lives and breathes with creativity. It's something that comes with being a creative person. It's something you need to learn to live with. It's something that you need to incorporate into your life. You need to figure out that, hey, on a 12-month schedule, I'm probably likely to go through at least a month to a month and a half where I'm not feeling super creative. So let's try and organize, say, a month where I work on the back end. Maybe you spend a month building your website. You don't create anything in that month. It's just a month where you get on top of your taxes. You go, maybe go on a holiday. You rebuild your website. You do some stuff on the back end so that you have some time away from that creative process and then get back onto it. So you pre, you know, pre-planning your creative ruts around things that you can work with. And that's something that I've started to do a lot more of. I've started to shift my entire work life, shift my schedule around how can I make this work for me? You know, I feel I feel amped up every Sunday. Every weekend, I feel super inspired. I still feel like working on the weekends. You know, if I had it my way, I'd work seven days a week. I would still work on Sundays. I'd still work on Saturdays. If I had it my way, I would just continue working every single day. But I I know for a fact that if I did that, then I'd get burnt out. So I pre preemptively take Sundays completely off, of course, except for the podcast, which is why I want to start moving this podcast to another day. I'm actually thinking about doing that uh, this week, trying to do it on Thursday or Friday, because I don't want I want to take Sundays completely off. I want this to this to be a day where I'm not doing any work, preemptive, preemptively planning to not let it control, you know, not let it, not let work creep back into my weekend because it's been something that has helped me so much. Keeping my videos to one a week. I'm posting two a week at the moment because I made those videos for Canon, but without those videos, um, it would be one video a week. And I'm doing that because I know that my max at the moment, the the level that I'm at where the quality of my videos is satisfying me. So when I finish a video, it leaves me feeling inspired rather than withdrawing from me. I think you have like a, you have an energy or a creative. Think about it like a bank account. You have an you have a creative bank account, and one of the ways that I find really helps me move from project to project is if I finish a project and I really enjoy it. If I finish a video and I watch it back and I'm fired up about it and I really enjoyed it, that's not a withdrawal from my bank account. That's an investment in my bank account. That's maybe an asset that's, you know, appreciating. That's an asset that I can rely on making me money long term. Making a video that I actually really, really enjoy inspires me to move on to the next project where if I'm churning out videos that I don't enjoy making, I don't enjoy watching, I don't I didn't like I don't think of that good, then I'm not going to move on and make another video immediately. I'm going to need to, you know, that's a withdrawal from my bank account. That's a dumb purchase. That's me needing to reset, take a couple days off, maybe even a week off and really withdraw. So if I were to do that, there's no way that I could get multiple videos out a week. So for me right now, the best that I can do is one a week. The best that I can do where my quality, my engagement, and my enthusiasm for what I'm doing is balanced at the moment at one video a week. The other thing that I've come to terms with recently, and you guys noticed it on Friday if you follow me on Instagram, is perfectionism. Perfectionism is such a such a difficult thing to a difficult thing to tackle. It's a really, really difficult thing to tackle as a creator because of course you want to do your best. Of course you want your content to be good. Of course you want the work that you're doing to be representative of the brand that you're trying to portray. Of course you want it to be something that you're proud of. You want every single piece to be something that you really enjoy looking back on and you're proud to share with the world. But the unfortunate thing about perfectionism is every single time you hit a new milestone, that's a new level that you have to meet every single time you create. There's no way you can move backwards if your mindset is perfectionism. There's no way you can move backwards because every single time you hit a new high, that is suddenly your baseline. And that's something that I really, really struggled with early on and really struggled with last year was every single time I made anything, especially on Instagram, and I still do, which is why I made that post on Friday. 
Um, of course, I'm proud of that video. I even like that photo. That self-portrait that I took, I think it's really expressive. I think it's funny. I think it's funky. I think it's different. Um, I really enjoyed taking them because I was just honestly just fucking around in my bedroom with the backdrop and, and making faces and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, so I really like that photo, but it's not a photo that would be normally posted on my Instagram. <laughs> I, don't, I don't post portraits, let alone self-portraits taken in my bedroom. So for me, that was a process of becoming more comfortable with not being perfect, becoming more comfortable with posting whatever I want, becoming more comfortable with knowing that the content that I create doesn't need to be better than the last thing I've created because I've to create what I just created means that I've, I'm at a level where my content is better on the whole. So whatever I'm creating is better than I was before. So even if I post something, say I post something tonight that's a really beautiful image, perfectly captured, perfectly edited, just a really nice composition, the lighting is amazing, the colors are beautiful, say I post that tonight, that doesn't mean that I need to post something that's better than that. That doesn't even mean that if I post something that's worse than that, it's not on the same level as that creator it still means that everything else has been drawn up because of that image. Because I'm capable of doing that, even the worst thing that I'm doing right now is better than where I was six months ago. And honestly, that's all that really matters. That's all that I should be concerned about is even if I post an image that I look at and I'm like, ah, like I don't really, you know, I don't really love it. That image is probably better or a lot better than where I was six months ago. So it's something that I'm really trying to you know, get better at. It's something that I need to remind myself. Quality comes from quantity. Quality comes from quantity. Let me reiterate that again. Quality comes from quantity. I think that's something that a lot of people don't quite understand because there's such a, you know, the best of the best don't make a lot of content. The best of the best, you know, their quality is, you know, say the best filmmakers in the world, the Scorsese's, the Scarellis, the the best filmmakers in the world, they only really make you know one <laughs> one feature film a year, maybe even less. You know the Tarantinos, one feature film every three years. Like they're not making a lot of stuff, but everything they make is amazing. But I think the issue with that is even on the smaller scale of YouTube, it's like some of the best, uh, especially in our industry, the travel niche, the the filmmaking niche. Some of the best creators don't make a lot of content but I think the thing that people don't realize early on is for them to get to that quality they went through quantity they made hundreds of videos and it comes back to this I think I've said this on literally every single podcast but it is something that I think okay everyone I think you need to read um outliers by Malcolm Gladwell is it Malcolm Gladwell? I think I'm getting that right. Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell because this is essentially what I've been trying to say in every single podcast. 10,000 hours is the defining factor between being successful and not being successful. So these people that you look up to, these people, you know, the Ben TKs, the Sam Calders, these guys that make, you know, one video a month and it's amazing and incredible and gets them a lot of engagement and they crush it off that one video a month. The reason why they're capable of doing that is because they've already gone through quantity. They've already gone through their phase of making new videos every single week. They've gone through their phases of doing client work where all they're doing is making videos. All they're doing is making video after video after video after video over and over and over again, honing in on their skills to the point where they're now capable of making quality stuff consistently. And I think not a lot of people get to that point. Not a lot of people realize that that's something that comes with quantity. Quality comes with quantity. So I think that a lot of people need to just refocus their attention. I'm going to make a whole video about this. I think next week's video, or sorry. Yeah, so you guys are listening to this on Monday, next week's video. So not this week's video, but next week's video is going to be about this topic because I think it's really, really important. I think it's a really, really important topic. I think a lot of people just need to focus on making something. A lot of people need to stop worrying about, you know, 
it's my last video. It's it's what I spoke about in the last video. A lot of people need to stop worrying about the things that don't matter. Need to stop worrying about other people's content, the way other people do things, and just make stuff. Just go out and make something. Go out and make anything, because quality comes from quantity. Making more things will make you a better filmmaker. Making more will make you better. It's like the classic thing of, uh, you know filmmakers that never make their films or never make it in the industry because they're waiting for the budget or waiting for the gear or waiting for the right timing or in anything. There's a lot of people that always talk about how they'll do this when they get this. I'll be happy when I get this. I will be this when I get Y. I will be X when I get Z. Whatever it is, there's a lot of people that are so orientated on doing something when, when in reality, it's just do it now. <laughs> Go out and make something today and post it tomorrow. I think if you were just concentrating on making more, then you're inevitably going to get better. It's one of the reasons why I do this podcast in the first place, because it gets me creating more. It gets me talking to camera more. It gets me doing stuff more. It gets me communicating my ideas, doing things on a weekly basis or doing something on a weekly basis that's really challenging. This podcast is challenging. It's not easy to sit here and talk for 45 minutes to an hour. It isn't. I would love to say it's easy. I enjoy it. I enjoy it a hell of a lot. I really, really do enjoy it. But it is difficult. It's something that challenges me. It's something that, you know, every single week I'm slightly nervous about. Before I sit down and make the podcast, I'm always thinking like, you know, am I going to have the content to talk for 45 minutes? Am I going to have enough to say? Is my mind going to go on these rambling <laughs> rants that I end up going on that I'm in right now? Is it going to get to the point where I can just talk comfortably and move through topics and, and be okay with the conversation and the way the conversation's going? Or am I just going to get stuck talking about nothing and not know what I'm going to say? Every single week I go through that. Every single week it's challenging. At the 30-minute mark for most podcasts, I'm always thinking like, oh, what can I say? I'm thinking about what I'm saying when in reality, I'm doing this because I want to get to the point where I just don't care. I'm comfortable. I'm happy doing something that makes me uncomfortable. Being comfortable being uncomfortable. What is that the term? Getting comfortable being uncomfortable or getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's something that I think you can bring into every facet of life. I learned that through sport. I learned that through my time in athletics and swimming and rowing. But it's something that I implement into my creativity now. You know, doing things that make me uncomfortable. Posting that on Friday. Posting that self-portrait made me really uncomfortable. For the first half an hour after I posted it, I just closed my phone, turned it off and went and cooked dinner because I didn't want to look at the lack of engagement. I didn't want to look at the engagement. I didn't want to see what people were commenting. I didn't want to see what people weren't commenting. I just wanted to leave it and forget about it because it made me really uncomfortable. But I'm so incredibly glad I did it because now I'm feeling fired up. Like I wanted to put on my story this morning. I wanted to start a challenge. If you're listening to this podcast... I want you tonight or tomorrow or let's start the, uh, I don't know what I'm, who cares? It doesn't really matter. But if you're listening to this podcast, post something that you wouldn't normally post. It doesn't need to be a cra- something crazy. If you're a landscape photographer, post a portrait. If you're, a, if you're an Instagrammer that does whatever, just post something that you wouldn't normally post. Do something that makes you uncomfortable. Do something that puts you outside of your comfort zone because those are the things that are going to make you feel better. It'll also fire you up to get back into creating the things that people enjoy. I am so, so, so excited for tomorrow because I've scheduled time to just edit photos again. Like I wasn't really enjoying the whole process of editing photos. I've really been enjoying just the the minimal edits, not spending a lot of time on it, focusing on the photography of it. But I've blocked out an entire like three hours in my schedule tomorrow just to edit photos because after posting that on Friday... I'm now really fired up about editing photos again. I'm really, really excited to get back into editing more photos because I did something that put me outside of my comfort zone, gave me perspective, showed me that I'm capable of doing that. And in hindsight, I've realized that, hey, I actually do really enjoy this. It was just the fact that I felt pigeonholed that I didn't want to do it. Whereas now I'm realizing like, no, actually, I do really, really enjoy this. I just needed to know that I'm not stuck in this box. I needed to know that this is something that I can do. So if I can leave you with one more point, the last point that I have written down here is try something new. Don't be afraid to try things. I get so many messages from people, young guys as well, young guys and girls, young people wanting to get into this creative industry, young folk that just, they're hell bent on doing this one thing. 
maybe they've seen, you know, I, I, you see a lot of people that they see Sam Calder's work or they see their favorite photographer or influencer or travel, whatever work. They see their work and they're like, I want to be that. And I think that it would be so wrong of me. <laughs> it would be so incredibly wrong of me to push these people in the direction of pursuing nothing but that. Because if I was anything to go, if I was anything to go by, I'm sure there's plenty of kids that know what they want to do at 16 and they discover something, they love it, and they pursue it for the rest of their life. I'm sure there's plenty of people who are like that. There is, I'm sure there is. Or, you know, successful prodigies, young kids that become very successful. Usually, that's why. But if my story is anything to go off, if my experiences, and that's all I try to do, this podcast is just my experiences. This podcast is just my way of sharing my, you know, my thoughts and experiences and my knowledge that I've gained through everything that I've learned over my life. And if my life is anything to go by, I didn't know that I wanted to do this until I was 21. I started doing this at 20. Before that, I was a personal trainer. I was into fitness. I love fitness more than anything. It took falling, it took, you know, finding something else to discover that I don't actually love it that much. I love the results it gets me. I love the attention that being fit and athletic gets me more than I enjoy the actual fitness and athleticism that comes from it. I didn't know that at the time. And I think that by trying new things, be willing to learn, be willing to try something new. And this doesn't necessarily mean I'm, I'm not trying to push anyone away from photography. I'm trying to push people in the direction of trying new mediums. If you're a portrait photographer, try landscape. If you're a photographer, try filmmaking. If you're a filmmaker, try photography. Try different things. Be okay with trying things. I think a lot of people get into this and they just go straight into a niche and they get pigeonholed and then they end up giving up because they didn't think that they could try anything else. When in reality, it's like in the grand scheme of everything that you're doing, you're going to be more successful if you find something that you really, really love than by forcing yourself to do something that might be popular in the moment. By finding something that you actually love doing, by finding something that actually fires you up, that's going to carry you so much more because like I've started this episode on, like I told you about, there's going to be periods where you're going to go through highs. There's going to be periods where there's going to be periods where you're going to go through highs and there's going to be periods where you're going to th- go through lows. And if you're loving what you're doing in the highs and you're loving what you're doing in the lows, then you're going to carry yourself way further than anyone else. You're going to carry yourself way way further than the people that just force their way into something that's popular. You're going to be the one that is capable of riding the highs and riding the lows, riding the criticism, going through periods of success, going through periods of failure, and you're going to be okay because you love what you do. And I'm sure there's people out there that, you know, for example, with me, it's like, I love filmmaking and I love digital art. I don't enjoy making tutorials. (laughs) And I, you know, by all, by all accounts, that should be something I enjoy. By all accounts, that should be something I enjoy. But it's not. I don't enjoy making tutorials. It's just not. And I discovered that by being willing to learn, by being willing to try new things, by being willing to not bank on tutorials being the thing that makes me a successful YouTuber or makes me, gives me the attention that I might be craving when in reality, I should just focus on enjoying what I'm doing. I should just focus on making the films that I enjoy because through that enjoyment, through that passion, through that that energy that you give off when you're doing something you enjoy, because people can tell. You can tell when someone loves what they're doing. You can tell when they're doing stuff that they really do enjoy. And you can also tell when someone's doing something that they don't enjoy. You can tell when someone is really, really not enjoying what they're doing. So focus on trying new things. Don't be scared to learn. Don't be scared to try new things. Hell, a year ago, I thought that self-help, I thought that this whole genre of preaching to the choir and trying to tell people how they should be doing whatever they're doing, I thought it was all bullshit. I thought it was. I was of the opinion that these people are all fake. I was of the opinion that these people don't know what they're talking about. And a lot of them don't. A lot of them are. I wasn't wrong in every sense of the word. But I've learned that, you know, self-help isn't about motivating other people. Self-help isn't about, you know, being a better person than other people. Self-help is about learning how to 
provide yourself with the tools to be a better person. It's not about being better than anyone else. It's about giving yourself the tools and abilities to be a better person. And if I didn't have an openness and a willingness to learn and an openness to try new things, to experiment and to be comfortable moving away from things that might be making me successful and and moving into areas and, and refocusing my time. If I didn't have a comfortability to do that sort of thing, then I never would have discovered that and I never would have realized how passionate I am about this topic. So if I can leave you with anything for this podcast, because I think we're fast approaching the hour mark yeah, and I've been ranting. This has been a ranty, ranty episode, but I've really enjoyed... These are the episodes I love the most. When I just get fired up and I go off, these are the episodes I enjoy the most because I know it's just... When I'm talking faster than I'm capable of assessing what I'm saying, <laughs> I know that it's going to come across... It, you know, it might come across completely delusional. It might come across like incohesive and, and not make sense. But I know that it's authentic because I'm not quick enough to catch myself saying what I'm saying. And I, and I really enjoy that side of it because, you know, I want to be authentic. I want to just share my experiences and, and I want to share it in a way that you guys can tell is, is authentic. So if I can leave you with anything, I want you to, let's just break it down to three things. The three things that I think are most important out of this episode is understand that creative block, creative ruts, that feeling of burnout, it's part and parcel to the trade. It's part and parcel. It's a byproduct of being a creative. It's something that you're, you know, when you get given your creativity card, you get given your creative burnout card. And those two stay together. They're one in the same. So it's not about avoiding it. It's not about learning techniques and tricks and ways to trick your mind into being creative 365 days of the year, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. It's not about that. It's about learning to live with it. It's about implementing strategies that work for you. It's about figuring out what works for you. The second thing I want you to take away from today is is focus your attention on the things that you enjoy. Focus on doing the things that bring you joy whilst you're doing them. And the third thing I want to leave you with is don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to give things a crack. Don't be afraid to, you know, if you, if you love photography, but you don't necessarily love the genre that you feel like you've been pigeonholed in, in the grand scheme of everything, if you genuinely think you're going to be doing this for 10 to 15 more years or even longer if you're younger, if you're, if you're, you know, like my age, and most of you are, most of the listeners of this podcast are 16 to 24. So if we've got, we've got 40 more years of this. If we have good careers as photographers, we've got 40 years of this. Our careers can take us all the way to 60. And if we're super passionate about this, we'll probably be doing this for the rest of our lives. If you think about the grand scheme of things, the grand scheme of what you're doing, do you really reckon that the genre on Instagram, the pigeon, you know, the niche that you feel like you've been pigeonholed into, do you really think that that's going to have an influence on you if you just try new things and diversify and have a crack at different strategies and maybe discover six months from now that you love this one way more than you love the one that you were pigeonholed in? It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter at all. In fact, it'll probably make you more successful if you have a willingness to try. So try new things, have a crack, see what happens. (laughs) That's today's episode. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. I'm glad that I had it. Uh, I tried to record this podcast on Friday, but it just wasn't working for me. I don't think I'd fleshed out the topic enough. I don't think I'd given it enough thought or figured out what I actually wanted to say or, or even just given myself the... I don't know. I think, like I said, I really want to move this podcast away from recording on Sundays because I don't want Sundays to, I don't want my work to creep back into Sunday. But at the same time, I don't know, the mindset that I'm finding myself in on Sunday when I've got nothing else in my mind, I've got no other work that's sort of creeping in. Usually I've, you know, worked out this today or Usually I've just sort of relaxed. I think the mindset that I find myself in is a lot more conducive to these sort of conversations. So I'm glad that I could have them. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed any of the episodes of the podcast so far, like I've said in a lot of the episodes, the number one thing that you could do to help me out is share this podcast with a friend. But on top of that, like I said in the opening of this episode, I'm going to be doing a giveaway uh, at the end of the year. I'm going to figure out the logistics behind it. I'm going to figure out 
what actually needs to be involved in doing a giveaway because I came with came up with that on the spot. This is something that I haven't given any thought, but to enter the giveaway, to enter the giveaway to be given a podcasting setup by me at the end of the year as a bit of a Christmas present, a bit of a Christmas giveaway. I want to reach 250 iTunes five-star written reviews. So five-star written reviews. So not just reviews, five-star written reviews on iTunes. So if you want to join that, all you need to do is write a five-star review, uh, screenshot your five-star review before you submit it, tag your Instagram handle in the five-star review, and I want you to send that to me on Instagram, on my podcasting account. So on real life underscore podcast and i'll screenshot those and you're in that competition so yeah once again thank you very much for listening that has been episode nine and i'll see you guys next week